0: You're listening to Policing Matters on PoliceOne.com and I'm your host, Jim Dudley. Well, welcome back. And fentanyl is a bit of a mystery. Surely we know that it is a synthetic opioid that has contributed to many of the 91,000 overdose deaths in America over the last year. It's a schedule two drug, said to be 50 to 100 times more potent than morphine. And recently we've seen and heard stories of the threat to law enforcement officers who have been exposed in the field. Well, my guest today will shed some light on the subject and may clear up some of the myth and facts about fentanyl. John Williams, senior MD, MPH is a physician with a master's degree in public health, board certified in occupational medicine and ophthalmology with experience as a medical review officer overseeing drug testing programs. He's also a retired Navy medical officer, combat veteran, and former Marine Corps medical battalion commander. For the past 10 years, he's been a deputy reserve sheriff in Southern Colorado, and he has served as an academy instructor. Welcome to Policing Matters, Dr. Williams.
1: Well, thank you, Jim. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here, and and I really appreciate our our last conversation. uh, getting the word out about COVID and, and vaccines and that sort of thing. So so thank you for that.
0: Yeah, and thanks for your service. Thanks for your military service. And, you know, we certainly appreciate uh, people like you bringing their expertise and serving uh, in law enforcement and uh, offering your your guidance and expertise. We, we could surely use it in, in today's climate.
1: Well, thank you, Jim. And I'd have to say the men and women in law enforcement that I've worked with are some of the finest people I've ever known. And I've uh, made some great friendships and, and some great uh, networking and connections. And it's just a real pleasure. And I would encourage you know, anyone out there, no matter whether you're in the medical field or not, to look and see if your, your local community has a reserve officer program,
0: either with the police department or your sheriff's office. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks for that. So fentanyl. It's huge. We just saw this incident in San Diego. The sheriff came out and talked about the incident, Uh, went through a video where it looked like a um, uh, deputy in field training uh, and his his FTO uh, had a car stop doing a search. And one thing I noticed right away was uh, the FTO had gloves on, latex gloves, and the recruit did not. And as they were talking about this foreign substance they came across, uh, the, the recruit in training showed an immediate reaction, collapsed. Um, the FTO administered uh, Narcan or Naloxone, as, as we call it. And um, I mean, it was a dire situation. And the, the sheriff gets back on and, and details again as a warning sign to officers in the field to be very wary but now we've heard some criticism from the medical community and from ems that um, it probably wasn't the reaction that can be expected help us understand the hazards of fentanyl and what an exposure really could and i'm not saying that that this isn't um, you know a result of this exposure is this the result of an exposure and what can we do um to identify this before we get exposed to it?
1: Well, Jim, I had an opportunity to watch the, the video several times. And I was very impressed with the, the rapidity and the, uh, the overall care that the FTO had for his trainee. He was Johnny on the spot. He got the naloxone out. He administered it appropriately. He got the trainee in a, in a recovery position. He got his body armor off of him faster than I've ever seen anybody get it off a person before. He did everything right. And I think we have to realize that although we expect law enforcement officers to be everything, uh, they're not physicians, they're not paramedics, they're not EMTs. And so when you're handling a substance like fentanyl that we know is 50 to 100 times more potent than morphine and 50 times more potent than heroin, That's a scary thing. And as law enforcement officers, we see people who have opioid overdoses. And we use Narcan. And we bring people back to life, basically. It's it's very impressive to see someone who's had an opioid overdose get the Narcan and go from not breathing to fighting you in the period of a few seconds. And your listeners out there who've seen that know exactly what I'm talking about. as far as what happened in that individual, in, in that video, uh, I wasn't there. Uh, none of us were there except the two deputies. I, I think some backstory might be worthwhile. What happened after he got to the hospital? Was there a toxicology screen done? When you're under sit- situations of extreme stress, and you know, as a trainee, when you're with your FTO, that's a stressful setting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and. When you're when your FTO is telling you hey bro be careful that's that's bad stuff and you don't have your gloves on yet you may be thinking the worst and and sometimes that sort of stress can make a person pass out uh, whether or not it was due to fentanyl I think the the doctors that took care of them in the hospital can probably tell us best and and I, I don't think it's for the sheriff to, to to put that out there unless he absolutely knows that so as far as what I've read I, I haven't seen anything further and if it turns out, indeed, that uh, they've got a tox screen that shows his fentanyl level was high, uh, then, then, of course, we'll know that. But uh, not really typical for you, for what you would expect. However, we do know that a small dose of 2 milligrams of fentanyl can be potentially lethal. But we're typically talking about someone who ingests it orally or injects it, not an incidental exposure on the skin. Uh, but we need to make sure that, that our officers and deputies out there understand what to do when they're around an unknown substance, a powdery substance, a pill. They have to exercise extreme caution. They need to be aware of the signs of exposure and things like drowsiness, uh, a person talking but not making sense, uh, stumbling like they're drunk. Uh, perhaps vomiting or pinpoint pupils. You look at their eyes and you know, people say, oh, I'm not an ophthalmologist. I don't know you know, what a normal pupil looks like. Well, you look at a pinpoint pupil and you're going to go, hey, there's something wrong with this guy. Uh, so it's very uh, striking when you look there. A little tiny black dot in the center of that uh, colored iris. Uh, their, their breathing may slow to the point where it stops completely. The heart rate may drop. Uh, so those are the sort of things that you need to watch out for. When you see anything like that, you know, seek immediate medical attention. And that's what the FTO did. He called for EMS. They were there quickly. Uh, and be ready to administer naloxone. And uh, he got that, administered it nasally. You do it every two to three minutes until uh, the patient's been breathing on their own for at least 15 minutes or until EMS arrives. And fentanyl, we got to assume that it could be in any illicit drug. It can be in a powder form. It can be in a pill. Uh, We know that uh, these unscrupulous, well, I hesitate to even use the word unscrupulous because that's too good for uh, these drug labs uh, and these people that are putting these, you know, pressing these pills together and putting the poison out there that's killing thousands of Americans every year. Sure. Uh, A lot of this illicit stuff is going to have fentanyl in it. I think I saw a statistic that uh, out of uh, one out of every uh, illicit drug pills that were tested had some had a potentially lethal dose of fentanyl in it. So we're talking about things that a person may be taking something that looks like it's a Xanax or an oxycodone, or it could be a Molly pill. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it, it's not what it says on the label. Uh, it, it could be something that, uh, that's deadlier than rat poison. We also need to be aware of the fact that our working dogs that many of us have and are using in the drug detection setting are uh, very much at risk for this because that's how the dogs look. You know, they're they're constantly sniffing, uh, they're pulling in large amounts of air through their nasal passages, and if mm. in that air, if there's some uh, fentanyl dust, it can hit them pretty quickly as well. So, uh, fentanyl uh, can can cause uh, death and, and uh, severe uh, breathing issues with with working dogs. So. Uh, all dog handlers need to be aware of this and, and be ready to potentially administer uh, naloxone to their working dogs. So I would say to every uh, cop out there, if if your department or your office is not issuing you naloxone to carry around, you need to go talk to your chief or your sheriff and say, "Hey, that's not the standard. That's not the the, the industry standard here in the U.S. We need it. And you and and you may you may save." Uh, You may save a a citizen, you may save your working dog, you could maybe save your partner. You know, the the natural instinct is when you see something that looks like an illicit drug, hey, I'm going to dive in there, I'm going to grab it, I'm going to see what's in the bag, maybe I'm going to pick it up, oh, maybe I should test it. You know, the the old things that a lot of people, or a lot of us learned in the academy or on our FTO tours, we're not doing anymore. You don't want to open that bag. You don't want to disturb that powder. Yeah, okay, put on your nitrile gloves and pick it up. Put it in the evidence bag and let the let your uh, let the experts handle it. Sure. And then uh, the whole issue of uh, dealing with clandestine drug labs, which you know we've we've I think we've talked about before, in the setting of meth labs and all the poisons and dangerous chemicals that can be used there, uh, we need to make sure that we don't barge in and go. You know, if you go in and you see something that looks like they're uh, you know a meth cook or something that looks like a high school chemistry class, you know, turn around and get the hell out sure, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and call in, the call in the hazmat team or the specially trained folks that are going to come in with a level a SCBA and totally encapsulated suit Tyvek suit, stuff like that. Uh, so. Yeah. You it, covered a lot
0: of ground. You, you cover a lot of ground there. And, you know, you made me think about a couple of things that I really wasn't thinking about before you said it. And that is, you know, it, The fentanyl can come in all forms. I mean, we know that, yeah, they do sort of press them into pills to mimic an oxycodone or or something like that, but that they're also mixing it in with street heroin to increase the potency of, of a heroin. And so, for the politicians that are looking at decriminalizing drugs or even legalizing drugs, we've got one in California now. Well, in Oregon, drugs are essentially legal. We've decriminalized them in California. We have a, a new Senate bill, looking at um, making ha- hallucinogens, psilocybin, LSD, um, some of these other uh, drugs legal. And you know, the they I guess they assume that all these drugs are coming from a, a reputable pharmaceutical place where you just shed some light on. You've got these, you know, these criminals. Making these things in RVs and in the back of, you know, uh, you know shacks, and they're not the cleanest places. You don't know what's going in, and they're using highly volatile substances. And so, you know, the the it's it's a wild card. What you're getting there, what you're buying on the street, and to for these guys to legitimize that is, is just crazy. And again, it just exposes the law enforcement officer even more on the street.
1: You make some great points, and, and I, I can remember uh, when I was a kid, uh, when you would hear about uh, drug busts and stuff or people buying uh, drugs that uh, turned out not to be what they thought they were buying them. I mean, they were cutting heroin with uh, things like baking soda, powdered sugar, strychnine, which is a, mm-hmm. a rat poison, stuff like that. But you never heard of them. I mean, no, nobody heard of fentanyl back then. I don't know. It wasn't in circulation. And uh, the people who are making this stuff could care less about the end user. They just want their money. You know, if you happen to die, if you take one of their products, they could care less. They have, they have no compunction about uh, putting this poison out there. Mm-hmm. And, and I think there is there is some naivety on the part of uh, the state legislators that look at uh, decriminalizing uh, certain drugs, particularly something as lethal as fentanyl and the fentanyl analogs. Uh, you know, just a little bit out there, you know, you know, in high school, kids, kids experiment with stuff and you'd hate for for, you know, your kid or a, 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 a relative to, you know, take a pill, they thought they were taking somebody's Xanax, they were going to, you know, get a little high or something, next thing you know, they're dead. And we read right. these stories every single day. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not it's not just uh, uh, the people in Needle Park that are shooting up and, you know, dying with a needle in their arm. It's uh, high school kids uh, who, you know, just happened to pick the wrong pill at the wrong time and, and
0: they paid with their life for it. Yeah. So, so back to law officers in the field. Um, I mean, it seems to me in today's day and age, you got to have gloves on for any type of search because you never know what you're going to come across. What about what's your recommendation as far as breathing apparatus?
1: That's a good question, Jim. And I think all of us have uh, learned a lot about masks over the past year because of COVID. And uh, the N95 mask, which is uh, NIOSH, the National Institute of Occupational Safety and Health, they certify uh, masks. It's it's a type of mask that would be appropriate in the sort of setting where you were worried about dust or particulate, a drug uh, in in you know a dust form, uh, protecting you from it. And in fact, they they make respirators that are even uh, 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 have more filtering capability, like a P100, oil-proof, 100% efficiency. And they're fairly inexpensive. We're not talking about uh, a full face mask with cartridges like you might have seen on uh, uh, Breaking Bad. Uh, we're talking about you know a paper mask with a couple of elastic uh, straps that Fits tightly around your face, and and will filter out those sorts of things. So I think that's a good thing to carry with you. I carry one in in sure. in uh, my bag. Uh, carry a couple because you know not only the the COVID thing, but uh, uh, any sort of setting where you're worried about uh, being uh, exposed to something that uh, you could potentially inhale. Uh, crime scene, unattended death. Uh, you know, very. Uh, very bad smells and uh, putting an N95 on will make it tolerable uh, to, to go into that sort of setting. So I'd say buy a couple three of them and put
0: them in your bag. Yeah. If we don't already have them. Right. So right. Mask up, glove up. Good advice. Um, So say we're searching no drugs at all involved. We're searching, we do put our hand in something. What, what is the bare skin exposure? Ah, uh, realistically, uh, if you touch a powder or a liquid that you don't know, but smells bad, looks bad. I mean, do we immediately go do a rinse, um, head into the ER? What's 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 the recommendation there? Yeah, more good questions. Uh,
1: if if you're dealing with a, a pill or a powder, putting that on your skin typically is not going to cause enough of an exposure, even if it's fentanyl, to cause any problems. Now, when we're talking about a liquid, particularly a liquid that may have an oil in it that may assist the drug in, in permeating the the epidermis and down into the skin, that's a, that's a different story. So if you get a foreign substance on yourself or it's splashed in your eyes, immediately wash it off with water. And Hopefully, everybody's carrying water uh, in bottled water because you, you use that, uh, I think, in, in, in the setting of you need something to drink. You need something to wash the eyes out of someone that you've uh, potentially sprayed OC spray in. Mm-hmm. So uh, you, I always have about three, three water, small water bottles in, in, my, in my go bag uh, along with the masks and the other stuff. So, and, and if there's any question about, uh, say, for example, you did get a splash in your eyes or in your mouth. Yeah. Go into the ER, get it documented. If there's a, uh, you know, if there's a worker's comp claim, you've got a record that you were seen. And if it turns out not to be anything, Hey, that's great. Yeah. But uh, if it, 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 you don't want to kind of play doctor and uh, just assume, Oh, well I got that in my mouth and it tasted kind of funny, but I think I'm good. Just yeah. go get it checked out. Sure.
0: Good advice. Nobody's going to fault you for that. Sure. Hey, I'd like to ask you some more about, naloxone or narcan in a second but first i'd like to take a second and thank our sponsor be right back police one.com is the number one resource for your up-to-the-minute law enforcement news training and incident analysis our mission is to provide you with the information you need to better protect your communities and your safety becoming a police one member is quick easy and free once registered, you will receive access to secure law enforcement-only training and video tips, articles and sections, and a subscription to our award-winning law enforcement newsletters. Go to police1.com forward slash registration to sign up today. That's police1, the number onecom forward slash registration. And we're back, and I'm talking with Dr. John M. Williams, physician and part time deputy, talking about fentanyl and EMS. And when we talk about uh, administering naloxone, well, most officers are trained in administering the nasal spray. And um, actually, I just read recently that Pfizer, a big uh, producer of uh, naloxone, is running out of supply, and there may be a shortage uh, through the beginning of next year. So that if that's the case, then um, that 91,000 uh, overdose deaths is really going to jump. Um, in the video, in the San Diego video, we saw the FTO do the two nasal sprays, which is uh, usually the the recommended dose, right? Some are one-shots where you give one up one nostril flick over a switch and flick up the other half up the other nostril and then when the uh, when the cavalry uh, uh, heads up to the location he shouts for more naloxone uh, is there a uh, limit on how much um, we can administer to one person uh, is there a hazard in administering more than that one recommended dose
1: well I, I think the, the only oh, hazard might be uh, using too much or wasting it. I mean, it can cause nasal ir- irritation. You're not going to poison anybody with naloxone. Okay. Uh, but the recommended uh, dose, typically, four milligrams in one nostril, uh, two to three minutes later, another four milligrams in the, in the opposite side nostril. And then meanwhile, you, you've you contacted EMS, and they're coming on the way. So. Uh, I, I don't think anybody needs to hold back and go, oh, I'm, I'm going to hurt him with, with more naloxone. Okay. But if you're if you're giving it at, at too close an interval, you may run out of the naloxone, and it may have just washed down the back of his throat or mm-hmm. out on the sidewalk, and you might need it, you know, that, that naloxone that you overused, you might need 10 minutes from now. So right, I, I think... Right. Uh, basically follow what, uh, what, what you're told in training uh, as far as the administration schedule there. And sometimes it, it, it may take more than one, uh, than one dose and, and particularly with these synthetic opiate uh, or these synthetic uh, fentanyl analogs like carfentanyl may take several doses.
0: Mm, okay. All right, good to know. So on social media, the backlash from medical community and EMS was pretty harsh. And some were saying, hey, the panic attack, um, fentanyl doesn't do that. Well, you know, it would really be helpful to have that um, communication uh, expressed early on. And so how do we increase our communication with our um, our partners in the medical community and EMS especially since we're working a lot hand in hand in the field? Uh, what can we do to um, to create a better sense of community and better communication.
1: I think that's really important because we, we do work with the, you typically work with EMS uh, uh, on every shift, you know, you're, you're going to clear a scene before EMS is going to come in and take the patient. Uh, there is a, uh, a person who is suicidal and needs to uh, needs to go in a psych hold and you go and, and take care of the, you know, the situation and, and bring them out to EMS. So we work with them closely. They're integrated on our uh, SWAT teams and uh, as uh, the tactical EMS uh, medics. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that we, we know who they are. I think sometimes we don't take advantage of our relationship with them. And I, I think reach out to your EMS points of contact and have them come give you a talk on, on fentanyl and You know, from their point of view, obviously, they're going to have more technical information about it, but they can they can tell your officers, okay, here's what you need to be worried about. Here's uh, here's what you uh, here's what you don't need to be worried about. And and I think the the only the only thing uh, the the issue I have with the video was it was very well produced. It was not your typical body cam video where you have the you know, the uh, the sheriff or the, the police chief. You know, given the, the 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 intro, and then you see the tape, and that you make your own conclusions. I think the sheriff might have overreached a bit, saying, "Hey, this is a this was fentanyl. It, he almost died, and and our our officer saved his life." I, I think to be yeah. to be able to say that, you got to be able to back it up by saying, "Yeah, the doctor in the ER diagnosed this, and he had he was off the off the charts uh, with fentanyl and fentanyl metabolite levels on his tox screen." We didn't hear that part of the story. So mm-hmm. I, I guess I'd ask the sheriff uh, to either provide us with that or explain how he came to that conclusion. And I, and I believe I saw a follow-up story where he said that was his opinion. He did not have, uh, that was not somebody, somebody in the medical profession that told him that. So I think right, that may be right. the heartburn that some people in the medical profession have. But once again, we're dealing with cops who aren't doctors. They're not EMTs. And they don't know what they're dealing with, and they're out in the field in a stressful situation, not sitting in a nice ER drinking coffee. So right, right. we come at this from from different points of view, and I and I think sometimes it's easy to criticize when when you haven't, you know, walked in their shoes.
0: Yeah, no, no, and I think I mean I I feel for the sheriff in wanting to get that um, information out immediately, um, with the idea that maybe this almost caused one of his deputies to. To die, and so, you know, he saw the what you pointed out already that the FTO was just on the spot, and you know, it it was impressive to see how fast how he opened the shirt, opened the vest, you know, to to open up the airway and and administer the naloxone, get the get the help coming. So that was all awesome, and I could see why the sheriff wanted to put that out. I I think uh, think,
1: one thing, Jim, uh, I was going to mention is that. uh, the sort of symptoms that you would see uh, with fentanyl toxic- toxicity it would be typically the the person would complain of some drowsiness, uh, perhaps mm. uh, stumble a bit as if they were drunk. You wouldn't typically see a sudden collapse like that. And yeah, and I've I've certainly seen people pass out where you know the, the medical term is vasovagal syncope, where in a stressful situation you you basically faint. And uh, I don't know if you heard it on the tape, but when he, when he went down, he went down hard. I heard a clunk. And I, yeah. su- I suspect the back of his head hit the pavement. And that doesn't help things as far as your level of <laughs> right. consciousness when they're trying to wake you right. up. Uh, yeah. So I, well, like I said, the FTO did everything right. I, I just think the sheriff needs to uh, uh, perhaps uh, give us a little more information before drawing his conclusions
0: there. Sure, sure. And I mean, as you mentioned, let's reach out to our EMS brothers and sisters and buy them a cup of coffee. You see them sitting there, you know, pulled over waiting for the next run. Why not, you know, share a cup of coffee with them and see what's what? Hey, I appreciate your time. How can our listeners find out about what you're writing about or where we can hear from you again?
1: Well, that, that's that's great, Jim. I, typically, I've been doing, doing some work with Police One with uh, you know, we talked about uh, did some articles uh, for the online version uh, regarding COVID, and uh, may uh, just just watch for me there. We may be coming out with something uh, talking about the Delta variant. Uh, I'm also doing some work looking at uh, uh, how to address issues for law enforcement officers who have, uh, who have may incur disabilities in the line of duty, whether they be orthopedic injuries, PTSD, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think we have a lot of, uh, a lot of cops out there that are kind of thinking about, well, do I need to retire? Or have I gotten to the point where this, this nagging injury or this, this medical issue is something that I should uh, consider looking for another career? Uh, so stay tuned uh, for some additional information on that and I, and I I'd like to try to use my experience in law enforcement as well as in occupational medicine workers comp to address those issues because I think right now we, we have a lot of cops out there that are uh, that are working uh, you know playing hurt basically sure. and that means it's like it's an old football term It's like the coach sent you in hey coach my my leg's swollen and and I'm hurting bad but I, but I'm gonna go do it for the team and my teammates and and I think sometimes that's not always the best thing to do and that, that we maybe need to look out a little bit more for our, ourselves individually, because at some point you're going to retire from police work, you got a family, you got a life after that. So let's all keep that in mind.
0: Yeah, well, good points. And I look forward to seeing what you write and, and maybe we'll talk about it on a future podcast. Thanks again for your military service. Thanks for what you bring to law enforcement and your expertise to our men and women in the field. Uh, It's been great talking with you, Dr. Williams. Thank you, Jim. All right, and our listeners, uh, what do you think? Is your agency giving you enough information? Are you prepared with enough PPE, enough training? Are your plans and protocols sufficient? Uh, let us know. Let us know. Send us an email to matters at police1.com. That's matters at police1.com. Share your advice, your opinion. If you have someone or something you'd like to hear about, let me know and we'll get back to you. Uh, and rate us, if you can, on the Policing Matters podcast on Spotify and Apple iTunes. Uh, really appreciate it. All right. Well, talk to you again real soon. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and um, watch your back. Take good care.